Hey you. Whoa, didn't expect to see you here. Thanks so much for being curious enough to check us out. You're about to gift your ears the soothing, sensational and seductive sounds of the Story Network podcast. But before I jump into the emotive and inspirational introduction, I actually just want to take a moment and thank you for tuning in and then welcome you to the Story Network community. So thank you and welcome. Now, let's roll that intro. Hit it. This is the emotive and inspirational introduction to the Story Network podcast. My name is Zed Hopkins and it is my job to inspire connection, collaboration and creation through open and honest conversation. So let's put our lives aside for a moment, connect heart to heart, mind to mind, share with each other, learn from each other and inspire each other to be more, to feel more and experience more. 7.54 billion stories on one earth. We are the Story Network, and this is the Story Network Podcast. Woo! The Story Network, let's do it! In today's episode of the Story Network Podcast, I am making my way back to sunny Claremont, California to chat to Shanava Zahor about his experience studying theatre in the US as an international student from Pakistan, the lessons he's learned maneuvering cultural identity, and the qualities that best serve him as an aspiring creator. This conversation weaves philosophy, artistry, and aspiration to form a beautiful little tapestry of conversation. I hope you get some value from it. And as always, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review and check us out on Instagram at The Real Story Network. Now, please welcome to the Mind Made Auditory Stage, Shanava Zahor. Back to the Story Network podcast. My name is Ed Hopkins, and today I am talking to my good friend Shnava over in Los Angeles. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Yourself? I'm I'm very well. I'm very well. It's it's good to touch base. Um, yeah. I think just as a as a bit of context, you know, as I like to give a bit of context before we jump in. You mm-hmm. and I both went to the Claremont Colleges together. We were both theater majors, but I think one of the things that united us in a lot of ways and a lot of the conversations that we've had recently have centered around being international students, working and studying in like a a US theater system. So Mm -hmm. my thought is, is like to jump straight into it, how have you found that experience of, of, coming over to the US to study um, and, and specifically study theater and what kind of lessons have you sort of got from that experience? Yeah, awesome. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what your background is, but for me, um, I had never really done theater before I came to the States and not even in my, I would say first semester, I started doing it my second semester, um, but I always wanted to be an actor even though I didn't know then, and I would say even now, I don't exactly know why that is or what that means. And I think, you know, it's a never ending process of trying to figure out. Um, But in Pakistan, where I'm from, specifically Lahore, uh, it's not to say that there's no theater. Um, You know, there are some theater companies, a lot of schools put on plays or some universities, there's at least one university that's, you know, completely dedicated to acting and has three-year degrees and whatnot. 
Um, but growing up, I was never really in that culture. A, because, you know, the particular school I went to, we didn't really have that great of a drama society. Um, so instead of doing drama, I joined uh, competitive debate, which when I think about it now is also theatrical in many ways in terms of performing in front of an audience. Um, and the second reason was, I think, you know, it's, uh, I think acting as a profession is generally world throughout, you know, just kind of looked down upon. Um, and I think especially in less affluent countries or even countries that are affluent, but don't really have, you know, theater cultures, um, basically a lot of countries outside, you know, Europe um, and the Americas, um, it's very hard to kind of, you know, motivate yourself and put yourself to, you know, get into it especially when, um, and I'm not saying that, you know, there isn't good theater that comes out from other parts of the world, but for me specifically, growing up, I never really saw, you know, that before I came to college, I could probably count on one hand the amount of shows that I had seen. Um, and I think having that experience uh, before coming to the States and having what is considered like the typical, you know, theatrical education kind of shapes things in your mind because where I'm from, a um, couple of things, right? So number one, it's that it's post-colonial. So when you have theater as mimicking life or not even let's say mimicking life or, you know, using life and kind of doing whatever the medium wants with it. It's that when you talk about dialogue and conversation between two people, how do you capture that? And I think it becomes a lot more complicated when the context is post-colonial, uh, especially in a post-colonial concept where you have, you know, the language of the colonizer, which in my case is English, and I guess in your case is also English, yeah? Uh, and when you also have, you know, another language um, that is native to you because of the place that you live. And I feel like because I grew up, um, you know, throughout the 2000s, for me and seeing everybody around me, it was never that I'm only speaking English or I'm only speaking Urdu. It's always that I'm speaking a mix of both, uh, which is a dialect that gives way to, you know, it's unique vernacular and connotations and even grammar. Well, growing up, one thing that I saw was I never really saw the bilingual experience represented on stage. And by that, I don't necessarily even mean that being bilingual as in plays about being bilingual. But it's just that where the conversation could take place uh, between these characters switching in and out of these languages. That was something, and I felt like that was something that was contemporary. That's how me and my friends talked. That's how a lot of people I knew talked. I never saw that represented on stage or even uh, more so on screen, because growing up, I never really had a concept of the stage. It was, you know, through TV and film that I got my basic idea of what acting is. The second thing I would kind of point out is, um, in a place like Pakistan, where there's a lot of censorship and a lot of like, you know, pressure from the religious far right, uh, there's, you know, limitations on what you're allowed to say and what you're not allowed to say. Going from, say, political topics like, you know, uh, criticisms of draconian implementations of, you know, Islamic legislature to even something as simple as, you know, swearing on stage. Um, so even when you have something as simple as, you know, people are on screen or on stage, but, you know, they're never swearing, even like fully adults or like, you know, teenagers or if they're college kids, um, it just sounds fake. 
Um, and I'm not even saying that as, you know, you need to swear on camera to sound edgy, uh, which is something, I mean, I guess I'm kind of guilty of doing sometimes in the sense of, you know, when you're improvising and you're just like, yeah, I'm fuck you. Um, and, you know, the director's like, yo, cut it out. But in any case, it's like, there's that. And thirdly, the last point I'd say uh, onto that is that the people then that do eventually get to make it uh, on screen, let's say in Pakistan, or even sometimes on stage, uh, have to create content that appeals to, you know, a vast demographic, which is why most of, you know, uh, television over there is, we're talking about fiction, is like really crappy soap operas with recycled themes, bad production value, bad and hemi acting. Uh, same with movies too, along with all the other factors I mentioned. Again, this is not to say that, you know, more independent voices have not come about. There's like a lot of great work that's been done by artists that, you know, maybe I'm not uh, very familiar with or artists I'm just starting to notice now, but I would say overall within the mainstream, it's like, it was really kind of in the gutter um, when I was like seeing the lens through which I was seeing like my people or these experiences being represented uh, either on stage or on TV. And so for me growing up, and it was the same, I think with books uh, because there wasn't, wasn't really like contemporary literature appearing in Urdu uh, that was free from the influence of the religious far right. Um, or like usual government censorship that appealed to me as somebody who was raised in an English medium school and who's, you know, who talked, you know, bilingually. So for me, it, A, with books and then more importantly with like movies and TV that I watched on, you know, on um, whatever international channel we had on cable because before like 2007 or eight, we didn't really have internet and maybe the odd VCR. And what was more important, I guess, is in Lahore or in Pakistan generally, and I guess also just generally in the global South is like, you go to like, you know, these big markets and there's these, you know, shops, like legitimate shops that are stock full of bootleg DVDs um, everywhere. So a DVD that would cost say $13, you can buy it for $1 and somebody has just downloaded it from the internet and burned it on a CD that you can play it on your DVD player. So in any case, it's like in an absence of, you know, fulfilling content at home, um, my basic kind of, you know, consumption of media and therefore my impressions of acting became through, I would say like, I would say Western media, mostly like American, North American dominated. Um, so there's that. And then obviously next door is India, which is, you know, also one of the home to one of the biggest film industries on the planet. Um, so, you know, and I never got super into it, but I, you know, I grew up uh, with all that shit. Anyways, I think the point of all this, you know, this long-winded answer is that when I got to the States, it was, I wanted to be an actor, but by that time, I think I was like, well, this is really not gonna happen. Uh, for me, A, just because my circumstances seem so difficult, um, and B, it's that, you know, I don't really know what I do with it. I guess I didn't really have an idea or an education of what performance is, you know, or even what, like, actor training is. For me, it was always just, you know, you get in front of a camera and suddenly, you know, the magic comes on and uh, your brand or something like that. 
but for my sophomore year, uh, sorry, my, my freshman year in the second semester, I decided to dig like intro acting at Pomona. And I think at that point, it was like, I came to the States and I was kind of like, you know, over overwhelmed with the amount of choices I had. I think after a semester of choosing random classes, I was just like, you know, I just want to do, I just at least want to give myself a shot with regards to this is the sort of stuff that I kind of am interested in. And then after that, it was, um, I took that basic acting class and then I auditioned for department shows, Shakespeare. And then I think I did the Tamina Play Festival and I did um, like a green room play. Um, and that was kind of the next couple of semesters do just like doing a bunch of production and then doing some camera work um, on like student projects. But I would say for the first, like, you know, initial semesters that I was doing it, a lot of it was the novelty of it and me not really understanding what I was doing. And I think the reason that I also got really into it was, and I think this is an important part, really important part of theater, at least for me, is community. Um, is that you get into and you see like a whole department that's very close knit. You know, they're not like you know regular professors. Um, you know, they'll help you out. You're all on like first name basis uh, with each other. And just like the community itself, you know, it's like it's pretty supportive. Not to say that you know there aren't like problematic aspects of our behavior, but. And I think that's generally when you're doing a play and when you're doing a production, you're working with the same people for like a month and a half, two months. You're seeing them day in, day out. And it's a real like, you know, sense that we're all getting together to create something. Um, so I think that was initially what drew me really into it. But I think, you know, simultaneously, I still didn't really understand what I was doing because, uh, and I'd love to hear you like kind of, you know, what your experiences with this has been, would have been like as a freshman. But for me, it was like somebody who doesn't really have experience in theater, but still, you know, is kind of going headfirst into it. I saw that, you know, people here, like people who have like theatrical background that have grown up doing theater. Um, I'm not saying, you know, they have you know, rigidity, you know, contrary to the fact they have, you know, amazing imagination, but sometimes like you have an idea of this is what theater is supposed to be. And when I came to college, because I didn't really have an alternative to it, I saw, well, theater is supposed to be, uh, if you're in the Seaver Theater, which is, uh, you know, the Pomona's like larger theater, Seaver Theater, you're doing these big shows, it's like Shakespeare, it's like, you know, big Russian comedy, you want to do a smaller show, like a drama, it's in that theater. And okay, it was like kind of those two. Um, I don't know, as like, as an international, I was just like, A, I'm not familiar with this culture at all. So I don't really understand why things have to be the way they have to be most of the time. And secondly, in terms of, you know, not to say that we don't do plays that deal with like social issues, or, you know, that we even have to do plays that deal with social issues, when we're talking about representation, not just in terms of your skin color, but also in terms of your experiences. I feel like being an international student as an experience in the place where you come from, um, it's really hard to kind of adjust to that model because, you know, it's kind of, you kind of take the bargain when you come to college in the States and you're like, well, I am going to college in the US. So obviously it's going to be US centric and I'm not complaining or I'm not surprised because I knew that it was going to be like this. But, you know, if you're talking about a place that empowers artists, you know, after a point you're like, well, 
you know, it seems like it's a pretty lonely club if you're talking about international and having a non-US centric point of view on what it means to be, you know, a performer or a theater maker or an actor or anything of like that. Yeah, well, I, I feel like that's a really, really good point. And, and like mapping that trajectory is really interesting for me to also understand and sort of like develop a, a, a sense of empathy for, for your experience coming into to studying theater in the US as well. I think for me, my experience was, was similar in a lot of ways and then also had some differences. I think the biggest difference for me was I went to an arts high school. And so theater was like something that I knew coming when I, when I went over to the US, I applied saying that I wanted to be a theater major. And I knew that that's something that I was incredibly passionate about and that I wanted to pursue as a career. <clears throat> what, what, I, what I did struggle with though, is in a similar sense was that the way that I had a very different definition of theater than the norm of which theater was being defined within the, the the conventional American theater that, that we were being exposed to. And I really struggled with that. And, and what, I, what, what I think, you know, reflecting everything you said, I think one of the things that comes up is this idea that definitions in the arts are actually, like they can be very productive, but they can also be incredibly limiting. And I think when we, when we attempt you know, naturally we're going to attempt to define things because we want to create symbols, we want to have meaning. We want to create a system of meaning and understanding the world. The issue is, is when we, when we create definitions for large um, evolving concepts, like what theater is, like what the culture underneath theater is, that limits our creativity and it refines our, our openness to the different paradigms which exist within theater and within art. And that was what I started to struggle with is because for me coming in, I came from a background of a lot of devising work. So creating work out of our own individual stories, using our bodies, um, being exposed to Japanese physical theater techniques, um, looking at like lots of different like cultural theaters that have evolved throughout history. And for me, like, you know, I love like a classic drama, a classic comedy. I, I was always very separate from musicals because I'm not a very musical person. Um, but like, I noticed that that was so dominant in the culture that, that I was being exposed to over in the US. And so, um, and there wasn't necessarily a willingness or a space to sort of bring in alternative perspectives because, you know, it's so embedded you know, it just in, in the culture of the education, in the experiences of everyone else coming into that space. And, and I think like, to your point, I think one of the, one of the biggest lessons that I got was this, this uh, realization that you have to um, choose the definitions which you let into your artistic perspective. You get to choose whether you are going to define your artistic practice by the definitions of everyone else, but you also have agency in going, I'm actually gonna reject this as a definition, right? I'm gonna understand this perspective, but I'm gonna choose to see theater, arts, creative process, um, relationships in a, in, in a different way. And, and I think what was difficult in doing that um, and I'd be interested to know if you ever had experiences like this, but that as an international student, you know, I guess like in a sense, like I, I was quite good at fitting in. Like a lot of people would just be like, oh, it's just like an, another American dude, you know, like, 
like, you know, I came from Australia. So there's a lot of like cultural similarities, you know, mm. like, like stuff like that. But the first show that I acted in on campus, the biggest bit of feedback I got was people being like, why did you put on that accent? And like, 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 and people were like, almost like, like, in a way, like offended that I would, that I was putting on an accent to play this character or that my like accent. An Australian accent? Yeah, yeah, an Australian accent. That, that, that pulled them out of the reality. And what was the show? It, it was the Cherry Orchard. Oh, nice. Right? Um, so, you know, so what like a that? classic, I was, I was Lepakin. Wait, what's, who's Lepakin again? What does he do? He, he's, he's like the main guy who buys the Cherry Orchard. And oh, that guy, that guy. Yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't remember names in Chekhov, please. Oh, no, yeah, they all kind of blur into one. Um, but, but no, like, it was like, I think, like, there was a realization there of, like, oh, that, like, my identity is influencing and, like, who I am naturally. Like, up until that point, I was like, oh, this is, I'm always playing elements of myself. I'm, like, channeling through me. Like, I am a channel for, for this. But that other people's cultural perspectives then like become critiques on my performance. And so there's, yeah. there's like a, a growing like limitation to expression that happens if you choose to conform to the, the standard like cultural perspective. And I think, I think now coming out of that experience, having graduated and having conversations like this with you and also with, you know, our American peers is is that fundamentally what we have to do is move towards, and you know, obviously this is just my own belief system. Like I truly believe we need to move towards a theater that, that, that um, disassembles this, this cultural hierarchy of creative practice, but also disassembles the hierarchy of positions, of directors, of actors, of writers, of, of technical staff, mm -hmm. of, of the people working backstage. Like, like, and actually leans into like collaborative modes of, of storytelling, collaborative modes of creation, but also um, a global perspective on creative practice that is not limited to the commercial outputs of, and, and the, the, I guess like the commercial systems that we put on pedestals, you know, Broadway, Hollywood, you know, um, the, and, and the replications of that in places like Pakistan in Australia, like, like we can't keep just valuing them as the pedestals of what good work is or what the like, like as the de definition of theater or of film or of creative practice. Like we actually need to work to disassemble those definitions and create work that is about inclusivity, collaboration and, and an openness to possibility. We, and, and, and so then, you know, with that and bringing this back to sort of everything that you brought in, um, I'm wondering, do, is that something that you resonate with? Are there experiences as you became more involved in, in your own theatrical practice? You know, I know you also studied abroad and you studied an intensive acting program over in the UK. Was that another like, like flip or, or like cultural shift that you noticed? And do you feel like uh, there is value to the, the willingness to acknowledge and work within these intersections of cultural practice within the arts. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I definitely relate to a lot of uh, what you've said. I think um, first in terms of um, the culture um, and inclusivity, and I think 
especially when you're not at like an acting conservatory and if you're at like liberal arts colleges who pride themselves on like small groups um, and, you know, non-commercial educational objectives, is that I feel like you have to treat students um, not as if they're, not as if they know, um, you know, that, you know, theater or acting or dance physics or whatever it is, is what I want to do. Um, and it's great if you know that, but I think it should also be to nurture curiosity. Um, because I've heard people come out and be like, you know, oh, you know, a job in the arts or maybe specifically acting, you know, it's really tough. And, you know, the only way you know that you're going to do it is if you can't imagine yourself doing anything else. And I think, honestly, I think that's BS. Uh, because I think, you know, as people with multifaceted experiences and, you know, unique lived histories, uh, any, any, any one person can want to do a number of things. And for me, especially coming from the background that I did, it was, which was a background, I would say of, A, not necessarily coming from a theater culture, but also a background of, you know, um, not being overtly optimistic about the odds of making it as an actor, especially when you don't see your experiences represented in the theatrical mainstream. And so for me, what I struggled with a lot initially was when I was in acting class or even when I was doing plays, uh, would be to kind of get myself out of this rut I had in my mind, which was everybody around me and specifically my American peers or peers who come from say, you know, affluent theatrical backgrounds is that, okay, this is all, you know, fun and this is nice and I'm enjoying the applause at the end of the performances. But after these four years, um, what am I gonna do uh, having studied theater or having studied acting? Because, and you know, I'm sure you can relate to this, getting, AIDS, getting a job as an international student out of college in the States is hard. Uh, secondly, getting a job when you're an international and you're also an arts major is doubly hard. And three, if you combine that now in the midst of you know, a horrible recession and a pandemic in which you know, all, a lot of theaters are closed and venues are closing down and people are looking to cut costs, um, and for me specifically, the idea of graduating with a degree that I wasn't really sure I was going to make use of and experiences I was unclear as to what they meant to me and then maybe going back to Pakistan and just being like, well, what do I do now? Uh, because, you know, I think we talk a lot about empowerment and agency as an actor, but I think when, say, you're in, say, the States or you're in the UK, and you have like a history of theater to fall back on. It's like, what are we gonna do? We're gonna do Shakespeare. Are we gonna do Shakespeare in English? Are we gonna do this musical? Are we gonna do this play? It's that, you know, there are great parts for you to play and bring whatever artistry you have to them. So there is a way that you can work within the industry. Uh, there are some people who are, you know, exclusively saying, are overwhelmingly like say stage actors or people who are you know almost entirely film actors but they're like I get in front of my camera and you know that's my work that's what I do but for me from that background for me it was I really don't know what it is that I'm supposed to be doing especially because initially I didn't really know like what acting was so for me 
uh, and everything that I kind of think, everything that I had like heard through pop culture or through, you know, YouTube or whatever growing up was very, um, I would say shallow in terms of, okay, what's good acting? Uh, method acting, that's the best acting. And what's method acting? Method acting is when you, you know, blur the line between reality and fiction and you just start living the character. Um, that, um, which, and I read this like interview uh, of I think Robert Pattinson, who's you know become like an incredible actor over the past few years when he started appearing in independent film, and he's like, yeah, method acting is great. I personally don't use it because and he was talking like he's like, yeah, met- people only talk about like method acting when they're talking about you know people playing assholes or people playing you know roles that require them to go through a great deal of suffering, but nobody really talks about like method acting when it comes to playing like somebody who might be happy or somebody who might be cheerful. Uh, and I thought that was, I thought it was pretty funny. And I also thought that was pretty true because when I was growing up, I remember having that kind of thing, like, you know, that you don't really need to go to school for acting. And again, I'm not endorsing that you actually do have to go to school for acting or, you know, get an acting degree in order to be uh, a performer, an actor of any kind, of course not. But, you know, it was the idea of like, you know, when I came here and I started doing the initial novelty wore off, and I started thinking about it in terms of me as a person and my career ahead of me. It's like, I faith, I like, I struggled a lot with like discouragement and like a voice inside my own head that was like, you know, this isn't really worth it. And you should, you know, you know, pick a job that's secure. Because for me, that was also another big thing. It was like my, a lot of my family has immigrated to the US and or to Canada or the UK because, you know, there's just better opportunities um, that are present here. And so, when my parents sent me to college, the kind of idea was also like, you know, uh, I'll get like a good degree, a stable job, and then it'll allow me to stay here for a while. And then I get my green card, then I get married, and then I settle down. And so for me, it was like a lot of fear also in terms of if this is really what I'm choosing to study, then that means I will be making a decision that is they're going to have consequences. I'm not saying consequences negative, not consequences necessarily in you know the negative sense of the word, but they will have repercussions in the sense of certain doors will be open to me, but a lot of other doors that are, let's say, sturdier, you know, with like um, you know more cemented foundation are going to be closed. So I remember like in acting class being asked to do these like you know you know all those like stupid improv uh, things where just like oh, pretend to be a duck and, you know, you're quacking or you put on a clown nose and you're being a clown. So for me, it was like kind of hard to let go of the self-consciousness um, of it all and be like, this is what I'm doing. A lot of that was because of that own voice inside my head. And as the point about when that kind of started to change, I would say that, you know, I think it started to change initially when I, quickly found out that acting wasn't as easy as I thought it was uh, because I also came from a tradition of, you know, I was like, I know what, I don't really have an idea what like good acting looks like from where I come from, but I definitely have an idea what bad acting looks like because I've seen it uh, everywhere when I've grown up in terms of just like being over the top and really hammy, uh, these melodramas and again, part of like kind of growing up is recognizing that that in absentia is not necessarily a bad thing like you know exploring the genre of cult of the occult of the surreal or even like hamming it up or even melodrama as a genre like the soap opera as a genre and what 
how as an actor you're supposed to approach that. Like, no, that's cool. I'm all for it. But if that's the only thing uh, that is available to you, then you're like, what the fuck? This, you know, I'm I just don't like what's being represented. So for me, I was when I was thought about like, what's good acting for me it was like you know ultra realistic acting. Uh, I need to appear as real as possible, you know, like my daily stuff, you know, it's like naturalism and minimalism to its core. And I think, and again, it's kind of like also in like, you know, universally in theater culture, you know, people make jokes about it. It's like, you know, as an actor, you think, oh, my big moment on stage is when I get to have this big monologue is either when I'm really emotional and, you know, you're standing there and you're like, oh man, I'm just, I have to get this tear out of my tear duct. And you're like, okay, I need to think of the most dramatic thing in my head possible that I will make and get to this place. Or it's like, oh, your moment to shine as an actor is when you're shouting at someone on stage uh, or you're shouting at an audience or you're you know, just like throwing stuff around. Um, and I think the, like the one theatrical experience I did have before college kind of like, you know, also cemented my belief in that was when I think I was in eighth grade we were going to like this short play competition in my school. I put on a play, um, like 10 minutes. And I can't really remember what the plot was, but basically there's like really poor family in some village uh, in Pakistan. Uh, the husband played by me, really drunk, abusive all the time. He has a little like uh, blind son, little oppressed uh, wife. I mean, it was like, it's like misery porn um almost and i don't know what the plot was but it was basically like i'm a piece of shit to both of them and i don't know again like cirrhosis or something and i die and they're all just like weeping over my body and now that i think about it i'm like the fuck why did anybody think like this was appropriate for like you know eighth graders to perform i mean i'm like i laugh at it now when i look at it in retrospect but i'm like why the fuck was i like you know committing domestic abuse on stage when i was in like eighth grade but I think, again, that, that's kind of like the absurdity of it in the sense of when you don't have like an established theatrical tradition, like your imagination really runs wild in terms of like, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, we like on stage. But again, getting back to the point of, you know, when did that start to change? Anyways, I started to realize that, you know, this wasn't really working out. And I started questioning in terms of what my long-term plans was, because at one point my long-term plan was okay, find some way to get to LA and then just start going to auditions. And, you know, sooner or later, somebody's going to notice you, like Maiden's going to notice you and you're going to on backstage and whatnot. And, you know, and I think that's inspired a lot, not by like, you know, real actual people around you, but in terms of like celebrities or your favorite actors or actresses and you read their Wikipedia page and you like oh, discovered off of Instagram or started working when they were 16, um, you know, and stuff like that. And I think that creates a lot of pressure. Uh, on yourself in terms of I need to, you know, I need to succeed by this date. Otherwise, I'm not going to be, my time will be passed. Um, I'm not going to be pretty enough or my talent will wane and I'll get demotivated. So, you know, a lot of that was like coming, kind of coming together. And I think um, for me, it's like, I think my first semester of sophomore year, I kind of just burnt myself out because I started doing like two plays a semester and like with all these extracurriculars on top of it. And for me, it was just like, oh, I need to, I need to be in as many productions as possible because that's the only way I'll become a better actor. And when I look at it in retrospect, I'm like, I didn't, wasn't even really thinking about my acting throughout most of this process. It was just basically, I had the script in front of me and I was like, okay, this is what the director has told me. 
uh, this is what my imagination can kind of do. And, you know, just read the words off the script and you're doing a job, you good job. And I think what really turned things around was almost the entirety of 2019, like last year for me, because I started off by spending the semester, you know, at uh, Pitzer and Kamala Claremont Colleges. Uh, and then I heard production for the Green Room, which is our student theater organization. Then for the summer, I went back to Pakistan. It was the first time I did a play in Lahore in Pakistan, like a professional production. And then uh, for fall of 2019, I studied abroad at the British American Drama Academy. Um, and then for our last five weeks, I was part of a company and then we put on uh, production. And I think all three of those experiences were like really important in like helping me reimagine what like theater is. Uh, in terms of the first play that we did was uh, this play called Disgraced by Ayad Akhtar, the one who Pulitzer like four or five years ago. Uh, it's like a small play, dinner drama, politics, and it has five characters in it. And two of those characters uh, are Pakistani American. Uh, and by Pakistani American author, and it got so much recognition. And in also, interestingly enough, in the Claremont Colleges, there were only, out of the eight Pakistanis, there were like two Pakistanis who were both actors. It was me, and it was my friend Abdullah. Um, and we also both happened to be international. So I remember Abdullah, me, and Shringi, who's also you know, uh, one of our peers at the theater department, we all got together and she's Indian. And we're like, well, you know, finally have one piece that's contemporary, that's relevant. Um, and, you know, it's something that feels important because, and not trying to get too self-important, but like, given the casting, uh, you know, restrictions, only we, all can come together to make this happen. Otherwise, this won't happen because they're literally not other Pakistani actors who can do this. So we did that production um, and, you know, what happened was we didn't get the rights to the play even, though, even after we had cast it and begun like table reads and whatnot. And so for like a month and a half or two months of up to like, I would say two or two and a half weeks before show, uh, we were under the impression that we had not gotten the rights uh, to the play so that came with so many restrictions in terms of we could not um, publicize or market the play under its real name. We did not have a budget. Uh, we could not officially have departmental support. We could not have like, you couldn't have a set, you couldn't have a light. And then eventually we figured out ways around all of those hurdles. But throughout that process, there were multiple times we as a cast had a meeting. And we were like, well, should we even go through with this or not? Because another thing was, you're like, you have to have scripts in your hands the whole time. And we're like, well, is this even fucking worth it at this point? Um, and it came close to failing a lot of time. I think two and a half weeks before we got together and there was like a breakthrough moment where we're like, well, okay, what we can do is we can put in the set in the classroom where we're going to beforehand. So, you know, because so we're not really, you know, assembling a set together, we're just using stuff that's already there. We did the same thing with lights. And then for the script, what we did was uh, we blocked it as such that we would enter with our scripts. But like, you know, a minute into the scene, we just put the scripts somewhere else and we would just, you know, then carry out with the scene. And technically, we were meeting the restrictions. And even though we couldn't publicize a play as a play or even by the title, I was like, well, this is now on me. So I just like, you know, messaged a lot of people individually and was like, this is a show, this is what we're all about. I'm not allowed to say this on public media, but I'll, you know, please, please come and see this. 
I mean, only did two performances. But after that, that was the first time that I had done a production. Uh, and I was like, well, this is important. What I've done here matters. Because only me and like other, like that select group of people could have pulled this off. We did it. And we did it with no expectation of reward or, you know, high ambitions. We did it because we believed in it. And it was a representation of some of our experiences on stage. And I'm not going to spoil, obviously, what the play is about. I think everybody should read it. But we did that. Um, and even though I'm looking back on it now, I think, and again, as a process of an actor, I think every role or every, even like, I can show you direct when you look back on it, you're like, oh, well, now I know that I should have done that differently. Or, you know, I could have tweaked that. Um, after having done that, I was like, this honestly feels um, empowering. So that was the first time I felt like empowered as, you know, a theater maker. And I think a lot of it also had to do, if we're talking about like audience perspective, was from the fact that nobody had a chance to really know what the play was about. So everybody was coming in with this complete blank slate as to, okay, our friends are like, they really want us to see this. This could really be anything. And then it was what it was. So that was something that, you know, really, really like, you know, was like important. Um, and then what happened was initially I was like, I'm going to get an internship and I'm going to, you know, stay in the States and do some theater or some film internships type thing. But I applied and I didn't really get in anywhere. So I came back to Boston and I was like really upset and beating myself up about it because I was like, man, I need to be at auditions. I need to be doing things. I need to be interning. And why am I back here in Lahore? And what happened was like two weeks when I was back, I saw an ad on Facebook that was like, um, you know, auditions for this play. And I was like, well, this is my chance. Um, and it was a play called The Other Side, and it was being done by a group of graduates from one of Lahore and Pakistan's most prominent like arts colleges uh, that do everything from theater, film, architecture, media, Um, So it was a bunch of those graduates that had come together to put on this piece. Um, and so for the, and I auditioned for those guys. And for me, that was really weird because it was a completely different way of doing theater than I had, you know, done before. And I think a lot of it was because, um, you know, that's just how a lot of theater societies are run uh, because, you know, that is all that we know. And I think it has good parts and I think it has bad parts. I think good parts to describe a scenario is like super weird in the sense of, when I passed like the first round of auditions, you know, when I came for the second round of auditions, it wasn't like I was with like a group of three people and we've been giving scripts. It was like everybody was sitting in a circle. Uh, the director would look across the room. He was like, this is the part, pick five people, have them stand stand by side, give them the same direction and be like, okay, now perform and act it out. Now, and then on the spot, it would be like, yeah, I think you're a good fit for this. And you go back and try for another role. And that was the process of it and in terms of like the actual audition itself i mean usually i'm accustomed to at least a callback like you know you're given script um and you're like you know you do that but when you're given being given instructions like okay you're the demon of greed let me see the demon of greed you're like the fuck am i supposed to do or you know and you know greed is still like kind of easy when you when you're when you're like um when your direction is like you're the demon of envy 
you're like, okay. But it was like a lot of that. Um, or, you know, you're like a dark lord or you're a wolf. Um, because the play was about these like half human, half animal hybrids in a haunted house in the basement. There were demons and the dark lord and, you know, it was you know, all the whole thing. But basically, and then when we eventually started getting around to rehearsal, our rehearsal space was at the top um, of a at, at a cinema that had been there since colonial uh, India. Uh, and then that had been, then been converted into a theater uh, where like stage, um, like stage dance shows would take place that kind of have like a common lineage with like, you know, female performers at courts of kings and whatnot. But in Pakistan, it's kind of looked down as like really like low grade, like vulgar entertainment. Um, and, you know, kind of like burlesque shows um, almost. And then we had a space kind of right next to that where we would rehearse. Uh, and during those rehearsal, it was the first time it was like, you know, as opposed to working on the script, it was like, we're going to work from the other way around in terms of, I'm just going to tell you, this is your character, this is the name, this is what the character represents. And I want you to like walk around the space and discover the physicality of your character. And again, I'm not saying that, you know, that was the best way to go about it, but it definitely challenged me in terms of like, if I'm just like, if somebody says like, you're just like a demon, you're like, okay, in with regards to my body as my instrument, okay, what do I do in order to convey that? And I think as an actor that was kind of obsessed with realism and like depth for me, at least initially, I started getting too complicated in the sense of, oh, uh, my demon is a demon of greed. So I'm going to be like this businessman in a suit and this like Wall Street guy. And I, it took me like a few weeks to kind of figure out like, oh, fuck that. It's like so complicated, you know, just like literally be a demon on stage and do all the things that you thought were like hammy. You thought were like over the top of theatrical in terms of like twisting your body or speaking in like this really weird voice. And for me, it was that entire process was like embracing cult and embracing campiness uh, in service of a grander vision. Um, and even while rehearsing that, um, I realized thing, for instance, like you would be rehearsing in the heat of like summer Lahore, which is even like unbearable, uh, often with power outages, meaning that we did not have AC or um, you know fans most of the time. Uh, it also, we all were also rehearsing during like the monsoon flood. So, you know, the water would be up, you know, past your ankles when you were trying to cross the road. And there are times like when the front of the theater was entirely flooded and you have to like wait across to come in. And sometimes you're coming in at like 6.30 a.m. on a Sunday because we don't have any other time to rehearse to kind of pull all this through together. And so for me, that was like a really interesting experience, A, in terms of the theatrical process and also in terms of, you know, the community of artists that I was finally surrounded with in terms of I'm like, this is the community that I've been looking for all these years. And now I finally found it for people who are from diverse backgrounds, they had like filmmakers, like cinematographers, like dancers, all, most of them who had graduated from this one particular university. And for me, that was like finding finally kind of like my people in terms of like my representation. But at the same time, 
I think because I hadn't really grown up with this theater culture, and in fact, I had first gone into theater in the States, so I had kind of like a different educational perspective. It wasn't necessarily on like, this is the kind of theater that, you know, I'm particularly drawn to, I would copy this mimic by mimic just because, you know, they're my people or because, you know, we have, you know, similar backgrounds. Because for me, it was like, okay, I like this, I appreciate this, but I also have this other perspective. So for me, it would be kind of like, you know, mixing both of them. But what I really enjoyed about that process was the community in terms of everybody would like be sweaty as fuck rehearsing. And then as soon as like, you know, it was time for break, everybody would just head to the balcony and like smoke two cigarettes in like 10 minutes, just so, you know, like to make the most use of our time. And also interestingly enough, like every session, it was like at the end of every session, like the director and the team, they would order food for everyone like in the room and we'd all sit in the circle and eat and talk and that was how we would and in any case like you know there were a lot of like good things and also like bad things about the process i'm not trying to get like way too much into it but for me that was the first time i was like okay you know there's a community you know there are other people there and theater is not just limited to this one tiny section of southern california um or whatnot and then eventually what then happened was I eventually ended up going to London to study theater for like three months. Um, and again, that was like really challenging in the sense of a lot of people who sign up for that program are told that, you know, it's like Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, and you're rehearsing, you're in classes, you're taking class in voice, Shakespeare, movement, you know, all of these different things. And you're supposed to be there. And also, it's like, it's not even like a college where you're just like, you have excuses being like, oh, I was here, or I was there. You're like, no, you just have that one thing. You pretty much have no excuses if you come in late or you are unprepared. But for me, that was super challenging because I didn't really know that that was what I was wanting to do. Uh, in fact, a lot of the time, I kind of beat myself about it in terms of, I'm like, this is going to be horrible because it's just going to suck any joy I have of theater out of it. But I was like, I need to do it because I need to push myself and I need to put myself, like immerse myself in this education to at least be like, you know, like really good education and training. And then I decided that, you know, maybe this isn't for me. But I was like, before I do that, before I make that decision, I owe it to myself to kind of, you know, figure out what this thing is even about. And I was like, I know that that's a conservative program is going to get me there. But when I got there, I was like, it was 44 students um, and 43 of them were American. And I was the only person who wasn't American. And I was also one of the very few people um, who wasn't white in that situation. And most of uh, all of them came from like, you know, theater, theater background in terms of they've been doing shows for a long time. And, you know, they've been, they, they were accustomed to doing these exercises and also, interesting enough, like studying abroad for them, like it was a lot of it was like, we're a bunch of Americans and we're studying abroad. And this is so weird because this is not American. And oh my God, uh, London is so crazy. And I just miss like Trader Joe's and whatnot. Again, all stuff that's perfectly reasonable. And you know, that's, that's stuff like, you know, it's normal that you go through. But for me, it was also, it made me feel more alienated because I was like, I already have this experience of where I've studied abroad for a couple of years and I've, I've been like fish out of water and ooh, what's that? Um, so for me, especially as someone who's still not sure, I'm like, what the fuck is the point of any of this? 
being in that environment where it's like 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., Monday to Friday. Honestly, for the first like seven weeks, it was kind of tortured in the sense of I would be in class, even though I was like, you know, it was kind of like really wild in terms of like movement and Shakespeare at your classes. You're just like, I'm like, I would have sometimes be just like in class and be like, okay, doing the same scene uh, for the ninth time. Why am I here? Um, you know, so for me, it was like really struggling. In the second half of that semester and taking all those classes, I was like, okay, uh, I really, at this point, it's not even about like whether I want to do this long term or not. I kind of just really would like to do a good job in my classes uh, because I was like, well, I really do, even if I'm like kind of feel alienated and really doubtful, I can still objectively understand that the education I was receiving was incredible. And I was like, well, you know, I owe it to myself to at least make the most of this education. I think in the second half of that semester, I kind of like, I started like, you know, getting out of my head and working on it more and more. And then as we got closer to actually doing final projects, and I was finally like surrounded by an environment 24 that was supportive because everybody was there to learn, to fuck up, to make mistakes. And your teacher and your like teachers and the people around you were there to push you. And I think for the first time being in just in that culture nonstop was really beneficial, even though I fucking like hated it some of the time. And it was like kind of hard because I'm like, you know, this is what support and community feels like in terms of, you know, if you really want to do this. And I'm sure you can also speak to this because you also did like a very similar program in London because it felt like, you, you know, you're a professional actor in London and you're being treated as such. And then in the end, and for, so for me, that was like a lot of classes on the craft of acting in terms of you have an entire, so it's not like, you know, you have a basic acting class and you have an intermediate acting class. Like, you know, you have a class on Shakespeare. And when I say Shakespeare, I mean like, you know, two specific texts of Shakespeare scene study. You have a class on voice. You have two separate classes on movement and whatnot. So it taught me to appreciate like, A, how fucking hard it is, like even get one of those things, right? Uh, not even mentioning all of those things, right? And then lastly, um, in the last five weeks, uh, we were split into different companies and we auditioned for different productions that we did in London. And the director I got was like 25 year old, you know, young director um, who took this text, which is like this Norwegian poem and worse, that's also a drama by Ibsen called Peer Gin that came out in like the 1880s and 1890s. And again, uh, I can't honestly describe what the play is about, but he took this play that's written by this Norwegian playwright. And it's about this like, you know, folk hero who runs in mountains and, you know, gets into fights with trolls and whatnot. And the director was like, you know, I see this play and all I think about is Kanye West. And from the first week forward, he devised the entire show around Kanye, the costumes, influenced by Kanye, so was the soundtrack. There were Kanye references inside there. On top of which, he had us do things like, you're gonna be dancing like it's a club scene, then it's like a strip club scene, now you're all doing drugs on the floor. Um, or now he's gonna perform slam poetry for the audience, and now you're gonna sing, or now you're gonna, you know, kill yourself on stage by smash an imaginary bottle. I don't have fucking three hours. But, and throughout that process, everybody, you know, in the academy was like, man, I think the show is going to suck. Not me who was in it, because I was like, man, this is honestly really cool. But a lot of people around were like, 
I don't know what these guys are like kind of doing and a lot of people in the cast too but when we did it and we came out of it and it was like messy it was kind of like chaotic and at times disorganized but when I really took a moment to absorb it like you know weeks after the show had ended I was like what an audacious piece of you know theater from a director who's like I'm going to take this completely classical text flip it on its head and make this and it doesn't matter if it's perfect and it doesn't matter if it you know even thematically makes sense what matters is like I have a vision and I'm going to run with it um and it's not going to be boring um and I think this is like been a really long answer but I think all in all having those three experiences in that one year really opened my head as to what this medium could do and or even what I could do as a performer because I'm like it really is about you know imagination um and I think then coming back um which is how we met is like after that after you know I was you know tragically rejected from Macbeth um it was like uh what do I do now and that's how we first met um well not met but I guess like we first started talking and then you had written this play called where the train tracks lead um coming somewhere uh hopefully maybe I don't know we actually but I, um um and it was like when I started directing for the first time it was kind of like you know I had so much more autonomy and I had so much more like you know empowerment um and then after that like since the pandemic and whatnot after like you know reading a lot and really having time to finally like slow down and reflect all these experiences have. and I finally after that I kind of had a realization it wasn't like a one day realization like slow realization that you know there's a theater that you know I've been exposed to formally in classes and then there's the art of storytelling and then there's the art of getting in front of an audience and being like you know this is what I do and it's honestly been liberating uh, because now it kind of, it also kind of frees you of like commercial constraints in terms of you're like, well, now it's like, you're not really getting a job anyway. The economy is fucked. So you might as well do anything. And I think really it is about, you know, your imagination at the end of it. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I, I think there is like so much there and everything you brought up and like, and like I resonate with so much of that. And I think like, for me, as I'm trying to like process everything you just said, I think some of the things that come up to me and, and you know, like I'd, I'd love to hear if, if you agree with this, but it seems like there are some fundamental pillars to your experience that I resonate with and sort of are similar to mine, but I think are like lessons that we can take forward and that maybe other people can look at when they are looking at pursuing a career in the theater or something else. But I think the first one that you brought up was curiosity is that as creative individuals, if you are looking to pursue a career in the arts or the creative industries, or even if you're looking at the creative industries as a hobby, or even beyond that, if you're looking to just like live, I think like a fulfilling life, like curiosity is at the core of everything. A willingness to ask questions, to wonder what if, to wonder how the world exists in other cultures, how uh, different artistic mediums create meaning, and then how you fit into that, how your identity, your unique identity, your unique experiences fit into other people's expressions of meaning. And, and I think that's the beauty of, of say, you know, something like acting is that when you're cast in a role, like 
yes, you are playing this character that has been written, that has been constructed, but you bring yourself to that. You know, you uncover the pieces of yourself that, that resonate with and are, exist in the same resonance of these characters. And so you bring life to that character through you. And that's really, really powerful. And it is, it is our curiosity. It's our willingness to be curious and, and wonder that, that encompasses that and allows great art and great experiences to be curated and created. And the next thing you brought up um, that, that I also think is important in that is community, is, is, is finding people who excite you and who are passionate about telling stories that you are also passionate about. And, and I think, you know, you're exactly right. Like a, a lot of the reason why I think a lot of people get touched by the theater and, 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 and sort of catch that theatrical bug of like, oh my God, the, there's something about the theater that is just so energizing is because it, it's built around a community. It's built around a community of people coming together to put something up and share it. You know, and, and it's a process of storytelling that actually exists, you know, so much beyond the end product. And for most people, the end product is what they see. They see the final show. They see the, in, in terms of film, like the final film. But there are years of development. There are deep conversations, experiences, trials and tribulations that get that piece to go up. And it's that process that is, is, I would say, is actually more important from the perspective of individual artists growing, community building, having an impact, because that's where the impact is made. And, and I think, you know, as, as you look at stuff like that, one, one thing I've been wondering recently in that vein is, is I've been thinking a lot about fulfillment and, and like, you know, to, to touch base on this idea of like, okay, like, I, I'm now, I've lost my chance to stay in the US for the near future, you know, like my visa expired mm. when I flew home because of COVID. And so mm. the dreams that I had of forging the, the beginning of my career in the US, which should always be my dreams, are, are just not plausible right now. It's just not a reality that I can work with. And, and you know, that was really heartbreaking. Like that was really hard to go, like I've worked so hard to get to this point, you know, like where the train tracks lead was, was one of my first attempts at writing a play that I was really excited about. I was really excited to put up that didn't go up. My senior thesis didn't go up, you know, but, but, but I was like, where is the fulfillment that sort of meets this, this, uh, the creative process, where is the fulfillment that sort of ties all of these experiences together? And I think what it is, is it is the process and it is, it is the connection to people around you that is fulfilling. You know, it is the learning to see the world through other people, you know, which occurs through process. And, you know, I, I, I look back to the conversations we had working on that show and I go, wow, like, like even though the final product didn't go up, that process like enlightened me, you know, that process yeah. of getting to know you to then have you on here and be able to hear, a, you know, have this conversation is an enlightening and an empowering thing. And so I think knowing that art exists in communities and, and it's bigger than just you as an individual. And so I think, rem and I think if we continually remind ourselves of that, it also chips away at the ego and the competitiveness and this feeling of needing to conform to the, the 
economic extremes of these industries and actually grounds us in creating work that we care about. Yeah, and, sure. and, and I think to bring it back into sort of your last points, when you were talking about London, you were talking about this Kanye West show that, that, that got put up, you know, I think one of the lessons that I took from that is like taking all of this in mind, the curiosity, the building of community. The last thing is we actually have to treat ourselves as professionals. No, no matter sure. no, no matter where you're at in your career, in your journey, you need to actually, I think, I think what it is, is it's the mindset shift, mindset shift to go, I am actually a professional and I'm going to treat myself as a professional and I'm going to treat the people I work with as professionals. So we're going to have the conversations. Yes, we're friends, but we're going to go, how do we make this the best piece of art that we can? How do we market it from a professional perspective and gain the skills to market it? to produce our own work. You know, when you get dealt with the with not, not getting the rights to that play, okay, we could just give up now, right? No, we, you know, we, we, are, we are professionals. We are in charge of our own career, of our own artistic expression. So let's problem solve here. Let's find solutions that give us experience and also allow us to connect with each other and audiences. And so I think it's, it's the tying in of those three pillars that, that sort of leads to the empowerment that we're talking about and eventually the, the broadening of artistic horizons, but also of our education as artists and as human beings. And I think that's what's, what's important. And that's sort of what I got out of everything that you just brought up. And I, and, and I thank you for for being so open and honest and, 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 and getting really like deep into, into the, the trajectory of your path to where you're at now. Um, I, I think I, I really acknowledge you for that and thank you for that because, you know, even just for me, like it's so, it's so awesome to, to, to be able to hear that and, and, and resonate with so much of that. And as you know, I want to be conscious of your time and, and, and as I sort of come to bring this to the end in, in this summation, I, I do want to ask you one last question. Um, and, and, and that is around where, what do you think we need more of in the arts as it is now, especially in the realm of theater, as we're looking at most of the theaters around the world are closed right now. How, like, what do you think we need to be looking at? What, what ideas do you have about the future of this medium? Yeah, I think, well, definitely resonates a lot with what you said. I think this is going to sound like cliche or corny, but I think I've had a new perspective on it. And I think it's that, you know, from uh, that line from uh, As You Like It, you know, all the world is a stage and the men are merely players. You're like, because the code is, and the speech itself is like done to death. So growing up, you're like, oh yeah, it's that, you know, Shakespeare um, thing about, um, you know, how we're all actors and it's all a play and whatnot. And, you know, that's definitely true, the metaphorical illusions of it. But I think it's that when we get so much into the whole metaphor and the grander idea of things that we also kind of have to ground ourselves and think and be like, what does that mean? In the most literal sense of the world, when it, when it means when he says all the world's a stage, he's not necessarily talking about the stage. He's talking about the individual as a performer on this planet 
Yeah, in terms of if you can, because what do we even define as a stage? It's that you can get to some place and if you have people watching you and you have that interaction with them and you're telling a story, be it through dance or mime or whatever, through projection or even like stand-up comedy uh, for that reason, it's that you're getting in front of people and you're being like, you know, this is, this is my work. This is what I have to offer. And that could be, you know, um, in like on, on top of a box in a marketplace. That could be in a circle that you've drawn, you know, in some village. That could be in the biggest theaters of or stand. But the idea of the performer, the piece, and the spectator is universal. So I think in response, what we need to do is kind of, you know, get out of this mindset, you know, you know, this theater, this actual physical place that exists and this particular way of doing theater is the only way forward for one, especially for someone who is like getting a degree in theater. No, because again, it's like if opportunities are closed, if theaters are closed, if doors are shut in your face, you kind of do at some point need to carve those doors um, out for yourself. So it's like, okay, I can't just go to auditions in LA and start doing my thing. But does that mean that, and I might not even like get a role in like a TV show or a film or like a big production for years, but you know, that doesn't mean that you give up. That just means, and that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't in no way mean that the skills that you've accrued as a performer, as a student of theater or film are useless. No, because, and that's true with any art form. It's like, it's about A, empathy uh, and B, humanity. And those two go hand in hand uh, in terms of, okay, I have the confidence and the ability to get up in front of people and perform, be it through a camera or through on the stage. And I think the art of captivating a listener and giving them a reason as to why they should listen to what you have to say is something that's universal. And I think that's something that could be easily transfer to things like teaching uh, or even things um, you know that require anything that requires you to interact with any other person like day-to-day -day people skills and I think coming at it from that mindset number one uh, needs to be emphasized. Uh, number two in terms of like cross-discipline stuff and I know we've talked about this but it's like, man, take, we need to take classes. We need to, again, treating ourselves as professional, A, means recognizing that there's so much that we do not know. And no matter how big parts we get, or no matter how you know, inflated our egos are, we are students first and foremost. And just being like, learn dance, learn mind, learn something with their body, learn something with their voices. But I think exposing yourself to that and being like, I'm going to combine all of this in terms of, I'm going to have a show and it's not just going to be like, you know, shittily filmed with a camera in the back. I'm going to actually make effort to actually, you know, produce this or even be like, well, I'm not really a dancer, but, you know, I think given the amount of, given like some effort and hard work, I would like to incorporate like physical stuff or like dance in my, you know, uh, in my production or in my piece or even in terms of music, the possibilities are, even in, are pretty endless, especially when you consider what performance is. But because for me, like, and I'm not saying that I'll even get around to it in a few years time, but 
people like circus performers or even like professional magicians who go on stage or even on Vegas and do their thing. I'm like, that's a level of performance that I might never have mastery over. But as a student of the arts, I can appreciate so much and take away from that. So I think that's something we really need to get into in terms of collaboration and opening ourselves to discipline, especially in regard to the colleges that you and I went to. Uh, there was not a lot of collaboration, even within the same department of theater and dance, if they're housed in two separate buildings. And you have the fact that you have the entire like visual arts department right next door. So we need to co collaborate. And a lot of that stems from our perception of theater. And another thing I would just like to add on to that is like, again, we're talking about treating ourselves as professional, but I think that's very important. Uh, at the same time though, I think especially in something that requires you to have as thick a skin as theater or acting in general, I think it's important to learn to take a step back and learn how learn to laugh at yourself and be like, okay, maybe this isn't the best, or maybe like I feel completely stupid right now, or maybe like I cringe when I think of um, that piece or that performance, but, or like, you know, you're afraid of what people are going to say when you get out there and perform, but also be like, you know what, it's fun, you know, shit happens all the time. And if you can learn to laugh at it um, and be like, you know, I'm taking this with a good sense of humor and not, you know, thinking of myself as too serious, but kind of letting myself be open and humble and open-hearted to the idea that you do things that are cringeworthy. Um, or, you know, you can embarrass yourself. And I think that's fine. Uh, and I think it's, that really is fundamental to your approach as a student. And the last thing I'd say is, uh, this is something that in terms of what we need to do is something that uh, when I was in that program in London, every like Friday, we would have like a master class where somebody would come in for like a Q&A or a workshop, somebody from the industry. And this one guy once came in, was like really young actor who had worked with like, uh, you know, gone to drama school in the UK, worked with the Royal Shakespeare Company, did all that. And then he eventually started branching out into becoming a filmmaker and doing like his own thing, like his own version of contemporary Shakespeare and whatnot. And first he came in, he was kind of shitting on like drama schools and like, you know, the mainstream theatrical tradition, especially that of doing Shakespeare um, and, you know, the lack of diversity within the industry. And somebody asked him, he was like, yeah, you talk about a lot, you talk about that a lot, but, you know, you still went to drama school. You still did all that Shakespeare stuff. Um, so where's the, uh, or the learning of the craft or learning of the rules uh, lie with regards to you kind of, you know, carving your own independent path and whatever that may be. And something that he said that really resonated with me, he was, start, he was talking about like Shakespeare and he was specifically talking about iambic pentameter, um, which, you know, it goes, I mean, I don't know exactly, but it goes something like, you know, when you're trying to vocalize, it goes something like, the dum da dum da dum da dum when you're you know counting the syllables and the scansion. And he was like, it's all good and done. It's, it's like it's all you know well and dry when you've learned the craft and say when you're doing Shakespeare, you've learned the iambic pentameter. But what you have to like, remember is specific is supposed to mimic uh, your heartbeat. Like it's supposed to be like the dumb, the dumb, the dumb, the dumb. Something I'd never known before, but they told me, uh, about, I learned about it when I was in London. And he was like, yeah, so you can learn the iambic pentameter, 
But remember that the iambic pentameter is the heartbeat. And if you don't feel it in your heart, then eventually, no matter how good your craft is, it's not going to come through. And I think for me, that was the biggest takeaway I had in terms of it needs to be a balance and a marriage of technique um, in all of its forms, in terms of learning how to project or learning how to move, or like I talked about learning from all these different disciplines. And secondly, in terms of heart, why are you doing this? What's the greater purpose? And again, you don't really need to have the answers to those questions because I still don't have answers to those questions. When I ask myself like, oh, what am I gonna write my Watson on? Like, why do I even wanna still be an actor given all this situation in the background? But the idea is, I think your heart just needs to be curious. Um, and I think that's kind of what I would say is the biggest thing for me to do. Again, this is coming from someone who just like, oh, like heard this in a workshop. So by no means do I have a body of work or even I would say talent that accurately reflects something that, you know, I've kind of embodied from those experiences. But going forward, I think, you know, just having those two things at the basis of it really would help you. Yeah, look, I think you articulated that so well. And, and you know, I, I think having those three pillars moving forward, like reminding ourselves constantly that we are students, like it, it's never ending. Like, I think also like, I, I, I truly believe that like fulfillment in life comes from constant growth, like constantly working to be better, you know, whether that's in your personal life or it's your craft, your artistic craft. And I think, you know, now is such a great time too. And this is something that I, you know, after hearing you say that, I, I really want to recenter myself on is like, like now's the time to learn, you know, like, and you can yeah. learn and invest in that. And that's really important, you know? And then, and then, you know, also, also out of that, like, you're exactly right. Like, like grounding ourselves in, in our curiosity and in our heart and knowing that like, no matter what, like we've just got to like trust in, in that. And, and trust in that curiosity and trust moving forward and know that it's okay to fuck up, you know? And in those yeah. fuck ups, laugh at ourselves and go, ah, you know, it didn't work, you know? It was a failure and that's okay. Like mm -hmm. it is okay to make bad art because bad art eventually leads to art that you can be proud of, you know? Yeah. And, and to good art, whatever the fuck that may mean. But yeah. it's about the process fundamentally it's about creating it's about expressing ourselves and it is about coming together to tell stories and and so on on that note i think that's a really beautiful spot to sort of wrap this whole thing up um mm -hmm. i want to i, I want to just once again acknowledge you for um the person you are thank you so much for this this conversation i feel like it's you know i love connecting and chatting with you and i i am so excited to see you know, your creative process evolve. And, you know, I know that we'll be collaborating together in the future. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. First of all, congratulations. You just listened all the way through our podcast and we couldn't be more thrilled to have you as part of the Story Network community. If you enjoyed the conversation, it would mean the world to us if you could like, share, review, and subscribe to let us know that you're listening. We are on a mission to build the largest and most diverse community of storytellers, creators, and innovators from around the world. And we can't do that without your help. You can check us out on Instagram, 
Instagram at The Real Story Network and over on YouTube and Facebook at The Story Network. My name is Zed Hopkins, you're amazing, and we are The Story Network. Woo! The Story Network! See you next week!